want to jump into Luke chapter 19. If we can get my timer going. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I actually have shortened my time today because I don't know if you've been here. Anybody been here the last few weeks? It, it's clear that, that uh, God just wants to move. And so I've actually shortened my time so that we can just step into a time of impartation. Um, and really just, just surrender to what God wants to do in this moment. So if we can go to Luke chapter 19, we're going to be reading about the encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Now a man named Zacchaeus was there. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to get a look at Jesus, but being a short man, shout out to the short kings, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly because I must stay at your house today. So he came down quickly. And welcome Jesus joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all complained. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I added that just so you. But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, look, look, Lord, half of my possessions I now give to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of anything, I am paying four times as much. Then he said to him, then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. When your brain is focused on something, it, it really functions as a spotlight it can only focus on what it's focused on and so in the process you'll miss out on other things and this is necessary but it also interrupts daily living right like I have convinced myself that I can watch tv while being on my phone until I have to restart the episode for the fifth time <laughs> yeah I've been there like, I'm always, always looking for my keys, and sometimes they're, like, right in front of me. You ever, you ever been looking for your keys, or you're on the phone with, this is, like, the most common one at this point. You're on the phone with someone, and you're like, yo, hold on, hold on. I got to call you back. Why? What happened? I can't find my phone. Yo, actually, can you call my phone? The person on the other end, like, uh, you, have, you have the phone. When we're, when we're focused on something... It can just be so easy to miss out on things. So what are you looking for? Because what I've found in my own personal life that when I begin to become so focused, especially in my spiritual life, on certain things, and, and I just think of this message almost as a spiritual successor to, successor to Pastor Lisa's message on how easy it is to become distracted, but not just the bad things in life. Even the good things can become a distraction to the main thing. 
And so easy I find that based upon our answer to this question, what we're looking for, although what you're looking for may not be wrong or bad, it can cause us to miss out. And what I don't want to happen today is for anyone to miss out on this moment. I believe God wants to do something here. I believe God wants to move today. And what I've found in my own life is that sometimes my perception in the midst of God moving becomes my own distraction. Like Jesus is in front of me, but because I'm caught up in, I'm going to just say this so me and Sam can relate, is this real? I miss what God is wanting to do. Because I'm so caught up in what happened at home. Because I'm so caught up in, like, I talk about marriage a lot now that I'm married. You ever been seeing God move? You looking at your spouse like, God move in her heart. God move in their heart. And we get so caught up in what we're looking for that we miss out on what's in front of us. And I I think of Zacchaeus. I'm wondering if I'm even going to use this chair. I'll put it here. You can sit there. Okay. I think of Zacchaeus and how he stands so apart. Like, I look at this encounter with Zacchaeus, and I'm just like, man, it's, it's so hard to be Zacchaeus. And maybe you, you see this story and you don't see anything special. I'll be honest, I've heard this encounter preached on many times. Pastor Rowe actually has an amazing message on Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus wasn't even part of my story. I, uh, I was actually in Luke chapter 17. And what's happening between Luke 9 and Luke 19 is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Palm Sunday. Funny enough, Zacchaeus is like the last encounter that Jesus has with someone before Palm Sunday. Like this must have been like Palm Weekend, Palm Saturday. He's, he's talking to Zacchaeus. And so I'm in Luke 17, like, I got to talk about these 10 lepers that encounter Jesus. But, yo, only one came back. But Zacchaeus just kept st- sticking out to me. Little did I know that Zacchaeus would come just a couple chapters later. And then I'm thinking about the ruler who's in Luke 18. And I didn't know he was in Luke 18, but he's in Luke 18, this rich ruler a rich man that Jesus also encounters. I'm like, yo, I'm telling my wife, like, there's so much content between, like, the ruler and the, the ten lepers and how the one comes back. And, 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 but then I, I'm th- thinking about the ruler, and I'm like, and it's crazy because the ruler was rich and Zacchaeus was rich, and I'm seeing all these sim- similarities, but there's such a difference despite the similarities. And as a matter of fact, all of these stories between 17 and 19 are kind of like interwoven. And there's so many little hyperlinks. One of the main uniters is this word, uh, sozo. At the end of 19, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save. That's a Greek word for sozo. But in Luke 17, he says to the one who comes back, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That's a Greek word for sozo. And then in the ruler, in the conversation with the ruler, the disciples witness this interaction because the ruler eventually walks away. And they're like, who then can be sozo, saved? It's just like, okay, there's so many 
similarities. There's so many connections, but Zacchaeus is so different. The first thing I want to tell you that's different about Zacchaeus was his desire. What we see about Zacchaeus when this opens is he's rich. He's a tax collector, which if you know scripture, you know that the tax collectors were seen as what we read a little later, sinners. They were seen as traitors. And just in Luke 18, Jesus is talking about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So you see Zacchaeus and you're like, oh, he's rich. That's how it opens up. Now, a man named Zacchaeus was there. He was a tax collector and was rich. If you just came out of Luke 18, you're expecting a man who's going to have a hard time entering the kingdom of God. So what's different about Zacchaeus? Well, Zacchaeus was trying to get a look at Jesus. When you go to Luke 18, the ruler is running up to Jesus. There's a beggar who's crying out to Jesus. There's 10 lepers who are screaming to to Jesus saying, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, Later in Luke 18, the Pharisees are coming up to him saying, demanding answers. When is the kingdom of God going to be here? So many people are approaching Jesus, trying to get something from him. Zacchaeus is just trying to get a look at him. The literal translation, the, the, the Greek, what it is fully saying is Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. When everybody else was trying to see what Jesus would do and could do, the rich tax collector who it is impossible nearly impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's just trying to see who Jesus was. But he was short. So there's this crowd in front of Zacchaeus, and he's just, I would want to say I could imagine it. (laughs) Stephen could imagine it. You knew. Come on, Stephen, you knew. I was coming, come on. Sarah Murray could imagine it. I would want to say, usually I'm the one blocking Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus is just trying to see who Jesus is. And and maybe you're hearing me and you're like, you're hearing me maybe trying to correct or rebuke the fact that you came in here looking for something that Jesus could do. I couldn't do that faithfully to the text because the leper... The Samaritan leper came back, and God gives him his sozo moment. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. But the leper was just looking for what Jesus could do. There's this beggar who's literally crying out. The people are like, shut up, shut, shh, shh. We're trying to listen to Jesus, shh. And the beggar cries out all the more. Jesus literally says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The beggar goes, He's a blind beggar. The beggar goes, I want to see. And Jesus goes, okay, you can see your faith has sozo, saved you. But then there's these nine guys who don't come back, so they miss it. And then there's this rich guy who walks away from Jesus, so he missed it. So it's not so much 
that we're looking for something. I, I believe that sometimes it's that look, the looking for something gets in the way. And it's clear that even in the looking for something, hey, God will come up to you and say, hey, what do you want me to do? And it shows that the beggar, as soon as he could see, followed Jesus, which the beggar story comes right after the ruler story, who walks away from an invitation to follow Jesus. He follows Jesus, despite what he was initially coming for. And so maybe you're here today and we're in our beggar season. We're in our leper season. I'm reading this story like I am not Zacchaeus. I go to God like, what are you doing for me today? Because, Lord, I, I just can't. But it's possible that even when we don't show up like Zacchaeus, we could end up like him. Because of our response. And so as we're here, what we're looking for, I I want to begin to shift our perspective from the rulers and the lepers who are seeing Jesus for what he can do. And the Zacchaeus perspective of seeing Jesus for who he is. Maybe, Maybe you came in here today looking for peace. You're just looking for freedom. You're just looking for that breakthrough. You're, you're looking for healing. I was here last week looking for healing. Still kind of am. I'm like, Lord, do you do that? Do you do like 30% healing? How does this work? And that's okay. But the greater thing, the better thing, if we're thinking about last week's message, the better thing is to get a look at Jesus. Like, when you look at Jesus, the rest of the stuff will come. It'll follow you. But when we spend our lives looking for the thing and we become result-driven, input-output, what I do can get me what I need. What, what, God, what are you going to do? God, I need you in this situation. When we get so caught up, like God is a way maker, miracle worker, uh, promise keeper, but he is so much more than that. And when we get fixated on the promise, like I've been there. Sometimes prophecy has been the worst thing for me. Because someone tells me what God's going to do in my life, and I get out a countdown clock. Like, Lord, you said it was going to come to pass. And then I start. Like, All right, God said it. So you know what, God, let me give you a little help. No, no, no. He said it. He said, he said it's going to happen. So, God, let me help you out because I know you're busy. You got the whole world in your hands. Let me, let me try to, let me try to make this work. And I just be so, get so caught up in the promise that I forget to look for the promise keeper. He'll do the miracle. He will. He'll do the miracle. But what Jesus wants is not the miracle. What what do I mean? He'll do it, but his end goal is not the miracle. His end goal is the glory of God. How do I know this? Well, when Jesus found out that Lazarus was dead, he said, this happened so that God would get glory. And then he waits two extra days. Like, Jesus, did you want Lazarus resurrected or did you want the glory of God? I think he'd say both. But one takes precedence. 
And so often we get caught up in the, the miracle. And I look at the nine lepers. These, this is a fast version of the story, but I do encourage you guys to read these for yourselves. There's nine lepers who were not Samaritan. And so they would have had access to the temple except for the fact that they were lepers and worshipped. But a Samaritan could only go so far. And it's almost as if when the nine lepers were healed, well, they weren't outsiders anymore. So they went on their way. But the Samaritan was still a Samaritan. And so he was still an outsider. And I wonder why in Scripture so much of the time it's the people with nothing left that get so close to God. This Samaritan would not have been allowed to enter past, like this is how far you can come up to the temple. There's literally an inscription, like a warning sign. If you're an outsider, if you're a Samaritan, that if you cross this line in the temple of God, you, it is punishable by, punishable by death. This Samaritan signs himself at the feet of Jesus. Because something about the miracle moved him to give God the glory. And when, we, when we're looking for Jesus, what will happen is the miracles will move us closer to him. When we're, when we're looking for Jesus, we stop worshiping for breakthrough, but from it. When we're looking for Jesus, we stop worshiping for the change, but from the change. And it can happen so fast. How fast can it happen? I was looking at Zacchaeus. He was just looking for Jesus. But he was short. So he couldn't see. And I think many of us stop at coming up short. Like, Lord, I've, I've tried. And I'm tired of trying. Like, Lord, I'm here. I'm here, God. Like, I'm here. I'm here. Isn't that enough? Like, God, when are you going to move? Like, I just, we get caught up in the I can't of life. I've come up short, God. Can't you see? Like, I'm trying to look at you, but do you see how many things are in between you and me? Do you see how many things, Lord, like, can you see? How much distraction is in my life? How much busyness is in my life? I got bills to pay. I got work to do. Can't you see? And we stop at where we came up short. And I get it. And to tell you to continue without changing the heart of that would be an injustice to you. Because why we can pursue comes back to what we're pursuing. Like if you are hustling and grinding for your breakthrough, is it a breakthrough? Like if you are putting in work 24-7, like is Kuhau accomplishing, is God accomplishing what God is doing in Kuhau or is Kuhau accomplishing it? What is the difference between working from a place of completeness and for it? Well, it just comes back to the same point. I promise you, it's a good thing I told you Jesus wasn't redundant because this is going to be redundant. 
Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was. And when that is the only thing that will satisfy you, nothing will stop you. When you understand that it is only about knowing who Jesus is, it does not matter what is in your way. You will find yourself. No regard, this guy is a chief tax collector. He is respected at least within the tax collector world. And he finds himself climbing a tree. When was the last time y'all climbed a tree? I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to all climb trees for Jesus today. No, I'm kidding. You can just imagine this little guy running ahead of where Jesus is going to be. And he is not content with Jesus to pass him by. And let me be clear. He's not content. He's not not content to get Jesus' attention. He's not content to not get a look at Jesus. He just wanted to know who he is. So he runs up ahead, climbs a tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus is your focus, I look at Zacchaeus and how different he is because he wasn't identifying with what he was. He was a short tax collector who was going to be judged. We see that they judge him and complain about him. And a a couple stories beforehand, we um, we see a ruler who Jesus says, hey, man, this is the one thing that you're missing. Give up your possessions. Just give up your possessions, sell it to the poor, and follow me. Jesus is inviting this man to follow him, and it says that he walks away. In other gospels, it says he walks away. And what we see is that he didn't have his possessions. His possessions had him. And you have to ask yourself, like, what does wealth have to do with the ministry of God? Like, wouldn't wealth have helped him follow Jesus? Like, there are, we can prove that there were financially well-off people who funded Jesus' ministry. So what was different about this guy? It was a rich man who came to move Jesus' body and hold it in a tomb. He He offered the tomb for Jesus. It was a rich man. So what is it about wealth in this moment? And I think Jesus was trying to reveal to him his identity. See, I see the case, and I see a man who didn't care about his identity. He cared about Jesus' identity. He's a tax collector amongst people. he's, He's defrauded. Imagine that, being around the people you cheated just to, get a, just to get a look at Jesus. He was a short guy who couldn't see over the crowd, but he doesn't let who he is, literally, like, it doesn't say he gets taller at the end of this. It doesn't even give him that. I want to make a joke. I'm just going to say it. Never mind the fact that one of the, the biggest miracles we see on, like, videos is, like, people's legs growing. But anyway, um, some of you guys will get that. Some of you won't. Um, but he is not defined by who he is and maybe he was but he is so captivated in who Jesus is and getting to know who Jesus is that whatever his identity was dissipates and remember I said how fast it can change when you're fixated on who Jesus is how fast it can change a story ago we hear about a ruler who couldn't give up his wealth because of an invitation to follow Jesus but Zacchaeus 
comes down quickly when Jesus calls him and people start complaining, how can this man make himself home uh, a guest of a sinner? And Zacchaeus volunteers his possessions. It's so weird because Jesus didn't ask him. And I always had a, a conception that Jesus ends up in Zacchaeus' home, and it's what Zacchaeus does after the dinner. But it literally just says, but Zacchaeus stopped. <laughs> so often we respond to what people say about us by fighting back, by getting even. Zacchaeus stopped. He looks at Jesus and he says, hey, I'm going to give up half of my possessions. And anyone that I've defrauded, anyone that I've conned, these people who hate me, I'm going to pay you guys back four times as much. I'm going to pay you guys back four times as much. What's crazy is, (laughs) in the story of the ruler, Jesus says, to the disciples when they're like, yo, Lord, we've left everything for you. Jesus says, anyone who's given away anything, lost anything for the sake of the kingdom of God, will be repaid many times as much. And so you just see this link, this reversal of who the ruler is and who Zacchaeus is. You see Zacchaeus is a man not asking for healing, not asking for anything. Jesus is asking him. He says, hey, Zacchaeus. I want to hang out with you. And Zacchaeus is welcoming him joyfully. It reminds me of how Amanda, my wife, makes fun of me. She's like, Ruben, you, you are always trying to have sleepovers. I'm like, yeah, they're so fun. Like, yo, sleepovers, they're the best. I don't know if you're not supposed to like those as an adult, but. And Zacchaeus is like, yo, me and Jesus are going to have a sleepover. We are going to play dreidel, dreidel all day. He's <laughs> like, yo, Jesus is coming through. And then people start being like, Ugh, look at Jesus. And for this, it's almost like for the sake of Jesus' reputation, Zacchaeus is like, yo, any of you guys who are considering me a sinner, listen, I'm going to make it right. And he so willingly volunteers his possessions. Why does this matter? Well, the ruler seemed to be identified by what he was holding on to, Zacchaeus freely let it go. So often in life we come in here and we're, we're trying to receive the kingdom of God. Just remember I haven't given you the title of today's talk, so we'll just wait for it. We're trying to receive the kingdom of God, but we're holding on to the things we've identified with. And it can be so insidious, like some of us have identified with even our own ailments. Like, you've allowed the thing that afflicts you to become who you are. Some of us have identified with our doubt. I mean, it it works, right? Because our our afflictions are our labels. They're nouns. Like, me and Amanda were even having a conversation today. And I'm like, I'm realizing now as I talk, oh, yeah, you can be a pessimist. (laughs) I can identify with pessimism. You can be broke. I can identify with I am broke. And so we can even identify with the things that get us down, and we, become, and we can also become identified with the things that are positive in our lives and that we do. I am a preacher. I am 
this. I must be this. And there are times where God is here. We are encountering Jesus, and he's saying, hey, I want you to follow me. And we're like, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he's like, okay, put that down. It's like, hey, are you ready to put it down? Are you ready to put what you've made your identity about? Who you ought to be. Where you ought to be by now. Are you ready to put it down? And some of us become the ruler. It becomes so easy to miss this moment. Like God wants to do something today. But he wants us to put these things down. And what I love about Zacchaeus is that before Jesus could ask him, he was so enamored with who Jesus was that when people were discrediting who Jesus was because of what Zacchaeus was holding on to, he gave it up. Like, could we be like Zacchaeus? Like, when we're so fixated on him, this is how fast the change happens. That before they even get to Zacchaeus' house, this is how it goes. He comes down quickly. They complain. He, he welcomes Jesus. They complain. Uh, Zacchaeus stops, says, look, Lord, half of my possessions, I give it. And then Jesus says to him, salvation has come to this household. Salvation got to the household before Jesus and Zacchaeus did. Because of Zacchaeus' response. Like, let us not get caught up, Kuhau, in the promise and forget the promise keeper. Forget the Messiah. We, we, we get caught up in the breakthrough. We forget who the one who does the breakthrough is and why this matters is because Jesus is so worth it. Like, if he didn't do the miracle... He's still God. If he didn't give the breakthrough, he's still God. And him being God alone, the fact that we are here, the fact that Jesus came, died, and resurrected for us, the fact that we get to celebrate this on Palm Sunday and a week from now on Easter, like that alone deserves praise and that deserves glory. And I know some of us have come in here with some stuff and God wants to deliver us from it. God wants to do the miracle, but in the end, God wants to get the glory. He just deserves as much. And I want to focus on Jesus. See, in every story, and worship team, you can come up. In every story that, that's leading up to this Palm Sunday moment, I said that they're calling out to Jesus. Zacchaeus is so caught up in just fixing his eyes on who Jesus is, just finding out who Jesus is. He climbs this tree. He doesn't wave. He doesn't make some noise. He doesn't cry out. He's just content to watch what Jesus is doing. And I imagine Jesus was probably doing some miracles. Jesus was probably giving some parables. Jesus was probably moving in other people's lives. And it reminds me of how how easily I can become jealous of watching God move in other people's lives. Like God gave me the promise, but their promise is coming to fruition faster than mine. And Zacchaeus... It's just like, wow, what's he going to do next? I got I to gotta run up ahead. Like I can imagine him trying to, whoa, that guy was just blind. Whoa, how come he could see? Whoa. Like, no, 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 no. I got to run up ahead of where Jesus is going to be because he was so content to watch God work, not even in his own life, just in the midst of him. He was just content to watch God 
work. And what's so beautiful about what's been happening at Christ Uncensored is God has been working. God has been moving. God has been moving so powerfully. And like, are we just content to watch him do it? Maybe it's not in your life today. Maybe it is. What happens with the beggar is he sees, he gives glory to God and the crowd give glory to God. But it was the beggar who got the healing. And like, when you're focused on just seeing who Jesus is, you become obsessed with watching what he does, whether it's for you or not. I'm just looking for Jesus. And when I see the miracle happen, I'm like, wow, give God some praise. When I see the miracle happen in my life, I'm like, wow, give God some praise. And even if it doesn't happen, I'm just like, Jesus, I just want you. Why does any of this matter on Palm Sunday? Well, interlaced through these scriptures, these encounters, you just find Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. He has, a, he has an encounter with the lepers. The Pharisees come asking him, when's the kingdom of God coming? He continues talking about the kingdom of God all the way through to the rich young ruler. What's ironic it's the, the rich young ruler saying, Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus just finished saying, to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to receive it like a child. But the ruler comes saying, Jesus, what must I do? But he just said, you have to receive it. So here's the title of today's message. Receive the kingdom. See, before he says, you have to receive the kingdom of God like a child, he is dealing with the Pharisees and they're saying, when is the kingdom of God going to come? In Luke 17, he says, when, they say, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And they just kept missing the moment. Like the kingdom of God is in our midst, church. Like how much so more? How much more post-resurrection? How much more that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us? The kingdom of God is in our midst. God is right here, right now. He is tangible. We just got to look for him. And what's crazy is when you look for him, everything else dissipates. When, when you're focused on him, like we're, we're trying to deal with our anxious thoughts, our intrusive thoughts. But when you're fixated on him in the same way that it happens that when we're trying to count jump rope, we can't see anything else. When you're just watching Jesus, you can't see anything else but him. And it all dissipates. The things that give us worry, the things that give us anxiety, the, the, the frustrations of like, I don't know about you. I deal with the most like I should be here by now. I should be, why am I still dealing with that? I should be here by now. But it all just goes away when we're content to love him and receive the kingdom. So like, what do we do? What do we do? We receive. And the Christian life is one of the most confounding lie, uh, lie, uh, ways of living. And it's confounding because it's so simple. <laughs> Jesus says, you can't enter the kingdom of God. In Luke 18, he says, 
You can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you receive it like a child. And the ruler comes up to him and says, what do I got to do to get it? You just missed the whole point, man. It's not about doing, it's about receiving. How do we enter the kingdom of God? How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? It's like this. And on Palm Sunday, the story right after Zacchaeus, it's literally Zacchaeus and then Jesus tells a parable and we see Jesus's triumphant entry. And in other gospels, they, they, they recount the story that people are saying Hosanna which means we're saved. Sozo, right? But on Palm Sunday, in Luke, he, he, encountered, he recounts the story a little differently. It's similar, but it's different. And it says that as he approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Before that, it says this. This is important. As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. This was a symbol. This was something you did to give someone honor. You did it to someone of distinction. You did it to a king. And it says they, with a loud voice, they said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. What Palm Sunday commemorates is, is Jerusalem receiving their king. Now what's ironic about this is these same people will later go on to crucify him and he will die and be buried and be dead for three days. But on that third day, he will resurrect. See, Jesus has this upside down kingdom that his death is what led to our salvation. His death is what led to our sozo, our ultimate sozo. Here's the thing about that word. In Matthew, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. He's going to be named Jesus. And he will sozo, save the world. And sozo is here, guys. Your salvation moment is here. And it's not about being saved from hell. If you think that's what the Bible's about, you're not reading the Bible. The Bible is about a good world gone bad. A kingdom of God gone corrupt because we were always meant to have dominion in it. And the Bible is about the good world gone bad and Jesus wanting to redeem us and save us out of it. But it, it doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like this. I got to strive and I got to work and I got to make sure I fast and, and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. Like those things are great. But they're not the thing we should be fixing our eyes on. They're not the thing that should become the focal point. What needs to be the focal point is Jesus. Like, Zacchaeus had to climb a tree. We just have to get down on our knees and receive him. Not like this, holding on to what we've identified with, our possessions, what we've been holding on to, like, like for unforgiveness and bitterness. Not, not like, but Jesus, I need you to move, but it has to move this way. And, and I wonder if Jesus was telling the ruler 
to let go of those possessions because Jesus is too big to fit into our agenda. Like our agenda needs to fit around Jesus. Our possessions, our worldview has to fit around Jesus. And he's saying, would you let it go? Because my kingdom is too vast and too large. Could you imagine a kingdom that whoever gives up whatever they own gets back many times over? What God wants to give us is so much bigger than what we're holding on to. And that's why we can't receive it. It's just too big. So we just got to let it go. Can we stand?